I love, love, love all of our Made for Monday stories. They're absolutely amazing. Hey, welcome to church. It's so great having you guys here with us today. Uh, welcome to all of our locations, everybody that's with us. Uh, this is a good day as we jump into part two of Made for Mondays. Um, real quick, I just wanted to just note what an exciting season we're in right now as a church. Um, that as we, um, not only in this series, but then next weekend with Above and Beyond, and then Easter just a couple weeks away, um, God is doing something really, really special here and among this family, and I'm so glad that you're a part of it. Um, and then I just wanted to also just add that, man, we are so much stronger together than we are apart. Um, and as we move into this next season, let's be the family of God that we're called to be, uh, to not only Above and Beyond, but Easter. As we love on our neighbors and we invite them to church, it's an, it, it's an extremely important time that we're moving into, and, um, and I'm just blessed to be a part of it. You guys, you guys feel that? You're blessed to be a part of this, the vision and the house, what God wants to do? It's awesome. Um, well, listen, before I jump in, I did want to just kind of have a little product placement here. Excuse me. This is very strategic. I don't even know that there's any of these left, but we actually had some of these available in the commons at every campus. They may be gone now, so this may just be, you know, pointless for me to mention it, um, but the hope was that this would be an incredible little conversation starter, sit it on your desk and, and hopefully start some conversations as people go, why in the world would you think that you're made for Mondays? Mondays is the worst day of the week, and you could say, no, 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 man, Mondays are incredible, right? Um, so anyway, so if there aren't any more, I don't know what to tell you, make your own, like get a Sharpie, make your own. Um, but we're, we're in this series, and the, the thing about this series is this, is I don't think that Mondays are just another manic Monday. I'll wait for it. Just another manic Monday. Anybody? No? Okay, listen. You know, I, I don't think that Mondays are just another manic Monday. I think there's so much to Monday that God wants for us to really grab hold of and to understand. And, and we talked last week a little bit about how important, how much we love the weekends, but really the week is where our purpose really gets to stretch and we really get to live in our purpose. Um, we, last week we talked about that our work is good. We talked that our work is sacred. You know, that whenever we take all of life and we put it in that one sphere and we move it toward God, that every single part of us can become sacred and special and spiritual. Uh, we also talked about that our work is meaningful. Man, that God's got a purpose in that nine to five, in that, in that work week, in what you do. There's so much that God wants to do through you there that Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays aren't just filler days to get you to the next weekend. They're important days, and that's what this is all about. And, 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 and I realize that there, aren't, you know, that there are some, some bad jobs out there. I get it. I completely realize that. As a matter of fact, last summer, um, my son, Max, last summer he was about a year and a half um, a year and a half old, okay, and we're all just, it's a lazy Saturday, and we're all just lounging about the house, and, um, and he reaches over and grabs my laptop, puts it on his lap, opens it up, and says, work, <laughs> One and a half. Um, now, either I'm just a terrible parent, and I'm always doing that, I ho hopefully not, or it's just one of those things that's just like ingrained in us from the very beginning, that that's something that, that we think is punishment, that we think is something that we have to do instead of that we get to do, that, it, that it's a part of our life. And I look around this room and I think about all the campuses and I'm sure that there are people that you go, yeah, but you don't know my job. You don't know how bad my job is. You don't know the, the, the environment that I'm in, how toxic and, and the people that I work with and I feel alone. I feel I, I'm, I'm always up against a wall or I'm always in a bad spot or maybe you're a student. 
and you're in school and you're like, you have no idea what it's like to be a, a teenager or a college student in this day and age where everyone, no one lives by the same values. No one gets it. And I'm all alone. And it's hard and it's tough and that environment isn't really good. And today what I want to do is I want to kind of unpack this a little bit. I want to talk about it. You know, last week I, I kind of gave you this stat that, um, that only 13% of people, only 13% of you love or feel engaged with your work. Like you actually enjoy it. You look forward to it. You're engaged in it. 63% of you are unhappy with work. You're just unhappy with work. You don't like it. It's something that you have to do. It's something that it's not exciting. It's not fulfilling any kind of purpose. It's just, it's punching a clock. It's what you have to do. You're unhappy. But here's the one that really gets me that 24% of you hate your job. Completely hate, despise what you do every single day of the week. And I think it's important because, like I said, it's 30% of our life. It's a big chunk of our life. And I think God wants you to have purpose in that portion of your life. But that many people, the, 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 the big, way more than the majority of us are not finding that purpose in our work. We're not getting it. We're not seeing it. We're not, we're not experiencing what God wants us to experience in those places. Now, there's a flip side to this that I want to talk about today as well. And the flip side is this, is that now, today and age, in this day and age, we work more than we've ever worked before. We spend more hours today working than we ever have before. Now, I don't necessarily mean that you're going into the office more often. I don't necessarily mean that you're going to the job site more often. You may be. But I mean, in our day and age, where, how we live right now, man, we can literally work from anywhere at any time. Right, through technology and different things. And actually, it's extremely trendy. It's cool to work remote. I work remote. Right, like it's cool now, right? Because we have, a, we have a work office, we have a home office, we have our vehicle office, we have our Starbucks office. When you're sitting at a red light for 30 seconds, you have an office because you can pull out your phone and anytime something dings or pings or whatever happens, like you're immediately engaged in work. You could be at your, at your kid's t-ball game, you could be out on date night, you, wherever you are in life and all of a sudden you're drawn back into work. We work all the time, nonstop. Another interesting stat is this, is that, is that 55% of Americans don't take their vacation time. Isn't that crazy? We hate work, we don't like work, and we don't take vacation. Like, what is happening? Right? We just get stuck in this thing where it's like we, we work all the time and it never stops and it's just become part of our life. Um, a, a couple years ago, there was this really funny video that came out. It's completely true, it's completely real, um, of, a, of an interview that happened on BBC News. It was an interview that happened in this man's home office, right? We're talking about working from anywhere and never stop working. And this guy literally was the picture of that, except for him working from home went really, really bad. Check this out. Scandals happen all the time. The question is, how do democracies respond to those scandals? Uh, and what will it mean for, uh, for the wider region? I think one of your children has just walked in. I mean, shift it, shifting... Shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the North may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. The, um, pardon me. Pardon me. My apologies. What is this going to be for the region? My apologies. North, uh, sorry. Um, North Korea, North, uh, South Korea's policy choice. Mm-hmm. 
When his wife busts in that door, that is my absolute favorite spot. Now, that's working from home fail. Now, let me show you what it would look like if instead of it being a man doing that interview, if it were a woman doing that interview. Check this out. The question now is how do people respond to their scandals? For the wider region, I think one of your children has just walked in, but I mean, shifting, shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the North may change? Um, it's unclear at the moment what effect former President Gunhae's impeachment will have on the territories. Unfortunately, discontent in South Korea is not only related to President Gunhae's administration. <laughs> Okay. This is a major embarrassment uh, for South Korea, who often criticizes the North of corruption, right. and who now find themselves in the middle of a massive corruption case themselves. Sorry, you do look rather busy there. We can reschedule President this. President Gunhae is no. very likely to face jail time, too. Okay. I would argue, in an attempt to make an example of her. Right, so what does this all mean for the future? <laughs> Guys, we just think we're multitaskers. Oh, no. Can we just celebrate all the amazing women in the church? Come on. All the moms working, stay at home. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, but we live in a culture where we just don't know how to stop working. And there's this verse that I want to start with that we're all extremely familiar with. And it's this. It's in John 10.10. 10. It says this, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. What's interesting to me about this verse is... This also applies to our working life. It applies to what we do with that 30% of our work, or th that 30% of our life that we're out doing whatever that thing is that we put our hand to. God wants us to experience fully alive living even there, even in that place. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you, man, whether it's that crazy, you work from anywhere, you're nonstop, you're a workaholic, you've kind of pushed into that zone of, I don't know when to turn it off and how to turn it off. Or if you just hate your work and you don't like your work and you're like, I can't find any purpose in this. I can't find any, any hope in this. I believe that that John 10, 10 is what God wants for you in every single part of your life. And that's what I want to talk about today. And to do that, I want us to go all the way back to the very beginning of last weekend when we talked about Romans 12.1. And this is kind of our theme verse. It's kind of the verse that we just kind of keep talking about. Romans 12.1 in the message translation says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you because only God, he has to help you do this. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. What Paul is saying here is he's saying, listen, take every single part of your life, everything and offer it up to God. Lay it at his feet, give it to him, no matter how small and 30% of our life when it goes to work, and he actually even mentions going to work, that part of our life is a massive part of life that we're going to lay at his feet. That we're, out, that we're actually going to just say, hey, look, this is yours. This portion of my life, this part of my life, I want to give it to you. So there's two decisions that I want to challenge you to make today. Two decisions. And the first one is this. I want to challenge you to be faithful in your now. To be faithful in your now, to be faithful where you are right now, because you may not be where you want to be, you may not be where you're, where you're going to be, but you can be faithful where you are right now. And there's a story in the Old Testament about a guy by the name of Joseph. And Joseph was an extremely important character in the Old Testament. Um, and, and just he had this crazy, just this incredible story of how God worked these things together to ultimately get him to something good. But there's a part of his story 
Where, and ultimately, where he ends up is full of purpose and full of destiny. But there's a beginning of his story where he's one of 12 brothers, and the rest of his brothers don't really like him. For pretty good reason, he's kind of bratty about being the favorite son. Right? And he's kind of rubbing it in their face a little bit. And so these brothers do the worst possible thing a brother could do, and they actually sell him into slavery. They sell him because they want to get rid of him. Hey, maybe if this kid is gone, then actually dad will pay attention to me. So they get rid of the kid. And so this kid, Joseph, he ends up in a completely foreign land, in the land of Egypt. He, he, he ends up working for a man by the name of Potiphar. Now, what you have to understand is he's in a completely different culture. He's removed from his family. He is isolated. He is alone. And he's with people that don't know him or know anything about his God or his values. And this is what happens in Genesis 39. As Joseph begins to work as just a lowly servant, it says this, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and he realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. And this pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. And his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. His entire business began to flourish. Listen, Joseph went into this thing, sweeping floors, cleaning out the stable. I have no idea what he was doing, but he wasn't doing anything fun. He wasn't doing anything sexy. He wasn't doing anything cool. He wasn't doing this ultimate job that he just knew he was made to do. He wasn't doing that. He ended up in the worst possible place he could have ever been. And maybe that's exactly where you are right now. But what Joseph did is he realized because of how he was raised, he realized that everything he does is for God. And he literally gave it his all. He gave it everything he's got. He put everything he's got into it. And his excellence ultimately increased his influence. It began to move him up the ladder. Things began to change for him, like his entire life began to change. But let me say it to you this way, that whenever um, being faithful in our now gives God the opportunity to prepare us for our next. That, that being faithful where we're planted right now may not be the thing you want, but what it does when we're faithful and we go all in and we do it as we're doing it for God, what happens is God begins to prepare us for our next. This is big because it's not you preparing you for your next. You're simply being faithful where I am. I'm simply doing what I'm supposed to do right here in this place where I'm planted right now. But in that moment of your heart being pure and you bringing like Joseph did the blessing of God into that place, God begins to work and God begins to move you into next, into what he has for you next. Now, Joseph, he didn't, he didn't have any say so. He, he couldn't just quit one day and walk away. He, he had no choice. He was stuck there. And yet still, you're not stuck the same way he was stuck. And still, even though he was in that place of being stuck like that, he still gave it his all. He went all in and God honored that and he blessed that. In Luke 16, some of us are familiar with this verse. In Luke 16, it says this, that if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Hey, listen, if you can't handle, if you're dishonest and you can't even handle the little bitty thing you got right now that you think is, is not worth my time or it's not exciting, it's not something I'm passionate about. Listen, if you can't go all in and be, and be, as best, be the best that you could be there, then why in the world would God give you more? 
Why would your company give you more? Why would anyone in your life give you more if you can't even take care of what you've got? And then in Luke 19, it says this. Jesus is telling a, giving a parable. He's telling a parable. And it says this. At the end of the parable, the king, who's God, responds, Well done. You are a good servant. You've been faithful with the little I entrusted you. So you will be the governor of ten cities as your reward. Because you are faithful right here in this place, then I'm going to begin to move you towards your destiny and towards your purpose. But if you're not, if you're not faithful where you are right now, then why in the world would God ever move you closer to your purpose, closer to your destiny, closer to where he wants you to go? Now, we have to understand that the reason we're faithful, the reason that we're going all in, the reason that we do this is not to be promoted. It's not to move into that next season. It's not like, like, like Joseph did not start sweeping floors with this master plan that one day I'm going to run this place. Like that wasn't his plan. His plan was simply, I'm going to give my best to God, and this is the place he's put me, so I'm going to give my best here. Right? Like ultimately, it's about God. It's not about that thing. It's about Jesus. It's about worshiping him. We talked about this last week, Colossians 3.23, that every single thing I put my hand to, I do it for him. I do it as unto him. I could replace the face of my boss with the face of Jesus Christ because that's who I'm doing it for. And that's the point. The point isn't that this is some you know, development plan for your career to get you to the corner office. That's not the plan. The plan is right where you are, no matter how lowly you are on the totem pole. The plan is just to worship God right where you are. And I hear this all the time from people. You don't understand, I don't work for a Christian boss. You know, I don't, I don't work in a Christian environment because I know what you guys think. All we do is sit around with guitars and Bibles and read and pray all the time. Right? Like, I know. Everybody just thinks that we don't really do anything around here. We just read the Bible all the time, Right? Right? We understand that a lot of you work in toxic environments that are not around Christian people that don't have the same values that, that we have or that you have or that you're trying to uphold. We get that. But neither did Joseph. Joseph worked in this scenario that literally worked for a pagan that did not even remotely b- believe in the God of Abraham, did not even remotely believe in who Joseph believed in. He worked in a place, man, where they treated them terribly. He was isolated, he was alone, he was completely alone, but still in that place, God used him to do something amazing. Even Potiphar realized, hey, because of this kid, the 17, 18, 19-year-old kid, man, because of this kid, Potiphar realized there's something else here. There's something else, there's a blessing, there's an anointing, there's something special about this kid. He realized it and he promoted him, he moved him up. He realized that this is the guy that I want in every meeting. This is the guy that I want around me. I want, I want this guy in the car with me when we're going to the meeting. I, like, I just want to be around this person. There's something special about them. Why? Because they went all in and what they're doing is for God. What they're doing is they've given him everything. Last summer, I, I spoke on this just a little bit and kind of unpacked just a portion of this whole Made for Mondays. And there was one particular guy right here at the Malvis campus by the name of Jason who came to me a couple weeks later and he said, listen, Here's what myself and two other coworkers have done. Before work, every day we, we, we pray. We meet for a few minutes and we just pray, God, prepare us for the day. Help us to be faithful, God. Help us to do our best. Help us to be the best employees that we can be. And he came a couple of weeks later and he told me, he's like, you're not going to believe what all has happened. This has been incredible. So I said, email it to me. Like, I want to hear this story. And this is what he said. I'm just going to read his email to you. 
Jason said this, he said, since we started really praying and giving our best no matter the circumstances, we have been trying not to let all the stressful situations at work dictate how we would react and respond to things. At times, it gets a little difficult, but we are holding each other accountable and reminding each other to stop and pray when those situations arise. It has caused us to be mindful of these times and has definitely changed the atmosphere. As a result of this, we are able to be more productive, which has produced positive results to our bottom line. Additionally, myself, along with my other two coworkers, have recently received merit increases of 8 to 10%, which is extremely uncommon for our company. I can only give all honor and praise to God for this. The idea was not I'm going to go in to make more money and to get a bonus or to get a raise or to get more money or whatever it is, to get a promotion. That's not the point. The point is I'm going to go in with the attitude I'm going to give my best. Why? Because God gave me his best. And every single thing I put my mind to, my hands to, I'm going to give my best. Be faithful in your now, right where you are, right now, whatever that role is, whatever that job is, be faithful there as if you're serving Jesus. There are three questions that I want to challenge you to ask yourself when it comes to being faithful in your now. Three questions. This is between you and you. And the first one is this, is what more can I give? What more can I give? My guess is if you're not happy with your work and you're maybe even you're on that side where you hate your work, you're not giving your all. You're not giving 100%. You're not coming to work every day fully committed. You're not coming to work every day with excitement and passion and energy. You're not bringing those things into work with you. Right? But what if you did? What, what if you just said, you know what, I'm going to give a little bit more. I'm going to give 100%. I'm going I'm to bring energy. I'm going to put wind in the sails of every single thing that my company does. I'm going to be all in. The second question to ask yourself is this, is what more can I learn? How can you actually better yourself for that role? How can you, how can you learn? How can you grow personally to do that role better? Right? Maybe it's an online class. Maybe it's reading some articles or watching some, so I don't know, whatever it is, but digging in and going, I'm going to be better at this thing, whatever it is. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move me forward. I'm going to lead myself to be better at what I do. And then the third question to ask yourself is this, is how can I help move this organization forward? Because it's not all about you and your career. You're there for a reason. You're in that place for a reason. God planted you there for a reason. And just like Potiphar's house was blessed, believers, when we go into a place, that place should be blessed. Right? We should go into that place with the attitude of how can I make this place better? What else can I do? How can I, how can I steward the resources of the company better? How can I steward my time better? Like how can, I, how can I lean in and make this company stronger? When you're faithful in your now, God prepares you for your next. God opens doors. God begins to work on your behalf. It's not on you to do it anymore. He knows your future. He knows your plan. He knows where he wants to put you. You be faithful where you are right now and leave the rest to him. Lean in and be the best that you can be right where you are. Be faithful in your now. The second thing I want to I challenge you, the second decision I want to challenge you to make is this. Live a God-first life. Decide today that I'm going to live a God-first life. I'm going to put God first in everything. If we were to go back to Romans 12 and paraphrase what Romans 12 said, and Paul, as he's, as he's given us Romans 12, 1, to put everything before God, this is what, if I were to just paraphrase it, this is how I could paraphrase it. Put everything before God so that God would go before everything. 
The whole idea here is this, is literally take all of these little bitty things, the everyday, ordinary parts of your life and put it before God. Why? Because then God is before all of those things. He comes first. And so many of us, we live, we don't live with God in that top spot. We don't live with God at that, as the first place in our life. What we actually do is I believe we live with God in the mix. Like there's a whole lot of priorities thrown into the mix and God is just one of them. He's one of the ingredients in our life, but he's not the ingredient. He's not that ingredient that when you take it out of the soup, the whole soup just stinks. It's terrible. It's horrible, right? He's not that main thing in your life that changes everything because he's just in the mix. He's just one of the things. Right? And from time to time, he may take a top spot. From time to time, he may take the lowest spot. Maybe there's five things, ten things, whatever it is. But here's the deal. God wants to be number one. God wants to be and live in that number one spot all the time. There's a pastor in New York City by the name of Tim Keller, and he says this, and I love this quote. It's from one of his books. He says, when a good thing becomes the ultimate thing, it becomes an idol. Whenever we live with God in the midst, what happens is is we move things up above him and they become idols in our life. Listen, work is a good thing. We established that last week. Work is a good thing. That's why we're here. It's one of the reasons why God put us on this earth to work with him, to be in partnership with him. It's a good thing. But whenever it becomes the ultimate thing in your life and it begins to run or ruin everything else in your life, then it's become an ultimate thing and it's become an idol. Anything that moves up ahead of God is an idol. And here's the deal. Your work cannot become an idol. And my guess is, is if you're struggling with time management, you're struggling with that workaholic. My wife always tells me that I'm a workaholic. I don't think I am. You are. She's always right. Right? Or maybe it's the other way. Maybe the husband's always saying to the wife, hey, listen, I think you're working too much. You're missing too much of the kids' activities. You're, you're, you're not around as much as you were. Or maybe when you are here, you're not actually here. Like you're sitting at the table, but you're not actually at the table because you're on your phone. You're responding to an email. You're engaged in a phone call. Whatever that thing is, you're not really there. Why? Because work has become the top priority in your life. And there's an extremely fine line between being a hard worker and being a workaholic. Being a hard worker is something we aspire to. Being a workaholic is not something we aspire to. Let me just tell you man to man. Let me just tell you as boldly as I can tell you that being a workaholic is not a badge of honor. Being a workaholic is is, is nothing that anyone looks up to you for. There's not one person in your life that looks at you and says, wow, I wish I could work as much as him. Not one. Because we don't aspire to be a workaholic. We we aspire to be a hard worker and to put everything out there and to work hard and be faithful in our now and put everything we've got on the line. But no one aspires to be a workaholic. No one looks and says, oh, that's what I want to be. Why? Because everything else in life gets way down the line second place, not even close. Right? Being a hard worker means that I know how to steward my time and my energy and my resources. Being a hard worker means that I know what's most important. Right? I know what's most important. I know where I need to really spend my time. Listen, when God is first in your life, and he's not just in the mix, he's not just floating in the soup, but he's actually number one in your life, what happens is this, is he helps you align the rest of your life. When he's in that top spot, he takes everything else 
And he begins to align it in the way that it should be. Proverbs 3 says this, and I love this translation. It says, if you want favor with both God and man and a reputation for good judgment and common sense, then trust the Lord completely. Don't ever trust yourself. In everything you do, put God first and he will direct you and he will crown your efforts with success. Listen, put him first. When he goes first, then everything else begins to fall in place. He begins to lead you and guide your heart and direct your heart to get you to the place where he is truly number one. In the Old Testament, there's a story about Moses who comes just a little bit after um, Joseph. And uh, it's, it's another incredible story. And many of us in this room, we know the story. Some of you may not, but, but Moses was the one that went in and freed the children of Israel from Egyptian rule. They were slaves, and there were millions of them, and they were slaves. And he went in, and he freed them. Okay, it was this amazing story, this amazing moment of Moses stepping into his destiny, stepping into his purpose, and being who God called him to be, to go in and to say, man, Pharaoh, let my people go. And they went, and they left, and they went off into the wilderness. And in chapter 39 of Exodus, this really amazing story takes place. It's a story with so much leadership impact and leadership just, just potential, man, that if you're a leader, if, you're, if, if you consider yourself that, Exodus 39 is amazing. If you're a workaholic, Exodus 39 is amazing for you. Because what happens is uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, shows up on the scene and he says, listen, dude, what you're doing is not good. You're working too hard. You're working too many hours. You've got to spread yourself out. You've got to raise up some younger leaders, some young talent, man. You've got, to do, you, you've got to let go of some of this responsibility and really begin to do what only you can do. He teaches them him delegation. He teaches him leadership development. Like, it's this amazing passage, but it's not the passage I want to talk about. You may think that it is because I'm talking about being a workaholic and I'm talking about time and all this kind of stuff, but it's not really the passage that I want to lean in on because before Moses ever even got to his purpose... Before Moses ever even started down that path, here's what happened. Moses was a prince. We've seen the movie. He was the prince of Egypt, right? I know, long story. If you don't know the story, go read it or go watch a movie. Then he becomes a shepherd for 40 years of his life. And then God calls him to go back and rescue his people. And this is what happens. God shows up in a bush and he lights the thing on fire and he begins to talk to him. First off, that's amazing. God's talking to him, but what's so crazy to me is that God literally had to talk Moses into his destiny through a burning bush. Like, why didn't you get it the first time, man? God's speaking through a bush that's not being consumed by fire right now, right? He's speaking to him, and God's literally having to talk him into it, and he finally does. He finally convinces him, Moses, it's time for you to go back. It's time for you to do what you're called to do, what you're meant to do, your purpose, and as soon as Moses takes one step, as soon as he begins down that road, this is what happens. Exodus 4, 24, on the way to Egypt, step one, on the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. Does no one else find that odd? I mean, literally, we spend chapter after chapter of God saying, Moses, I promise this is what I'm calling you to do. I promise, Moses, you can do it. If I'm telling you you can do it, you can do it. And the moment he takes a step, he says, boy, I'm about to kill you. Like, literally, God went Old Testament on Moses. That's what happened. He said, boy, straighten up. And this is what happened. Let me tell you what happened in this moment. Three or four verses, this quick moment, what happened? 
What happened was Moses took off running toward one calling while leaving one calling behind. He left his primary calling behind, which was his family. And God literally said, boy, your family is not in line. You're leaving your family right now. You're forgetting what's most important. You're forgetting to take care of them before you run toward purpose, before you run toward destiny, before you run toward dream job, before you run toward dream career, before you run toward whatever that thing is, that corner office, that big car, the private jet, whatever the thing is that you think is the pinnacle. Like before you could even think about that, if you leave your primary calling, then this isn't going to happen. All this purpose and all this destiny is nothing if you forget your primary calling. See, God is so wise that he would never call us to two conflicting things. He would never call us to two things that fight against each other, that that one thing causes us, requires us to neglect another thing. Your family is your number one calling. It's your first calling. And let me just say it this way so that it's very, very clear. You cannot delegate being a parent. You cannot delegate being a spouse. You cannot delegate being a family person. You cannot delegate your family to someone else. It has to be number one. It has to be your number one calling in your life. Because God's not going to call you to two things that fight against each other. He's not going to call you to something that's going to require you to neglect your family, your primary calling. And he looked Moses right in the face and he said, I'm about to kill you, boy. Because you're forgetting your primary calling, your main thing. And I believe that there are many of us that are forgetting our main thing, our primary calling. That whenever work becomes the idol, when work becomes above God, when work takes that first seat, then all of a sudden the main thing in our life gets left. The main thing in our life just gets ruined, gets destroyed, gets the leftovers, get whatever it is, whatever's left, whatever's there. But that's not who we're called to be. There's this verse, and if you're, if in any way you're struggling or you feel right now conviction about being a workaholic and working too much, there's a verse in Psalm 127 that I want to encourage you to memorize, to put on a mirror, to think about all the time, put it on your dash, put it on your, you know, sometimes what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll make a little screensaver and put it on my iPad so that when I hit the button, it's the first verse I see right there on my iPhone, first thing that I see. But this verse is so important for any of you that work too much, that you realize that it's become King Kong, it's become the idol in your life. And it's Psalm 127. I love this translation. This is another really good translation for this verse. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, They labor in vain who build it. So listen, unless God's involved, unless God's number one, unless God's a part of this house that you're building, this work that you're doing, it's pointless. Don't even try, okay? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen keep watch or keep awake in vain. Hey, listen, unless he's top, forget it. It's pointless. Whatever you're doing, it's not worth doing. Uh, It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to work too much, to eat the bread of painful labor. Like it's all pointless, man. If God's not in the middle of it, if God's not the main thing, it's pointless. But this last part is what really gets me. That I think, man, for those of you that work too hard, zone in right here because it says this, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Notice the little H. That's you. That he, 
God, your Savior, when you put him number one, he gives to you even when you're sleeping, even when you're resting, even when you're not at work, even when you're hanging out with the kids out in the yard throwing the football. Like literally he is working for you when you're not working because you've made him number one in your life. Because you've put him number one, God's going, okay, now I can begin to work that deal for you even when you're out in the yard playing with the kids. Even when you're sleeping, you're resting, you're hanging out, you're actually enjoying your Saturday, I can still work the deal for you. Why? Because it's all about him, it's not about you. Because you've made your life all about him, you've pointed, you've pushed him to the very top of your life. And when you do that, he goes to work for you. And he begins to prepare you for what's next. He begins to prepare you for tomorrow. He begins to prepare you for next week. He begins to prepare that meeting that's on Monday morning that you're dreading. He prepares it before you even walk in the door. He begins to move and shift and change and attitudes and perspectives. And all of a sudden, all these things begin to shift and change. And you walk in and you go, you know what? I handed this to you on Friday, God. I was frustrated. man. I knew coming into this new week, it was going to be the hardest week. I knew this meeting, this scenario, this thing, it was going to be so difficult. And over the weekend, God, I just released it because I know ultimately it's in your hands. Monday morning, you walk in, and all of a sudden everything's worked out. And you go, wow, God showed up. Why? Because you put him in the middle of it. You made him the top priority in your life, and everything changes. Everything changes. Make the decision today to live a God-first life. No matter how far down the rabbit hole you've gone of living with everything else stacked on top, today's the day to decide I'm going to live a God-first life. Now, I want to leave you with just an encouraging thought. I want to leave you with something that I hope you grab hold of. We're going to go all the way back to Joseph for just a second. Genesis 39, 2, it says this, that the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything that he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. What I want you to catch is this word right here. Because my guess is, is no matter where you are in the, in the, I hate work, I'm unhappy, I don't know that I can be faithful. I mean, that sounded really cool and all, the way Joseph did his thing. But I don't know that I can do that. You don't know my scenario. It's terrible. All the way to, I'm a workaholic. I have a problem. My family is, my family's in ruins. I've lost my marriage. The, no matter where you are in those spectrums, the thing that you need to know and you need to walk out of here is this, is when you give it all to God, he is with you. He walks into that week with you. He walks into those scenarios with you, right? He is there with you. And in Hebrews 13, it says it this way, and this is a quote directly from Jesus where he says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you, that he is there with you every step of the way. Even though it seems hard, it seems difficult, it seems like there's no way I'm gonna be able to do this, the promise that you have when you walk out of here is whenever I lift God up and I make him number one and I'm worshiping him through everything that I do, he's with me. No matter how difficult, no matter how, how hard it is, the promise that he's giving you is he's promising his presence to you, right? He doesn't promise us an explanation. He doesn't promise us information. He doesn't promise us all the steps. What he promises us is his presence. And when I put him number one and I worship him through my life, then all of a sudden I experience the presence of God everywhere I go and everything that I do. And that's his desire for you, that when you hit Monday, it's not just another manic Monday. It's not just another crazy Monday. It's a Monday that you can step into with purpose and destiny, knowing that God's in the middle of it. God's gonna lead me, he's gonna direct me, he's gonna move me, he's gonna take me where he wants me to go. But ultimately, he's in charge, not me. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And God, we thank you that we got to come spend some time with you today to worship you. And I pray, God, that 
as our hearts took in all of this content, all this stuff, I pray, God, that it would stick. That one, two, three things, God, just would jump out and it will stay attached to our heart for the next few days, the next few weeks. God, that as we, as we step into Monday, tomorrow, God, that it will be different. God, that we'll begin to navigate our life in a completely new way. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.